Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitali, and joining me today, I have Josh Torres. Hi, hello. This is going to be a, a new thing for us. Uh, things behind the scenes have kind of not fallen apart, but uh, a lot of the usual crew uh, are just happen to be unavailable today. Things happened. And yeah, even even I am lim- a little bit limited on time. So it's just just behind the scenes, we're recording this an hour before we usually do. So it's just kind of it's kind of nuts <laughs> yeah uh things happen uh people have lives and uh adam is out traveling uh james is tied up chow has a meeting other people who we asked if they wanted to come on just had other obligations so it's gonna be uh me and josh just kind of carrying the mantle here for the tetracast we kind of discussed very briefly like should we skip a week or should we uh just go on through and plow through. We decided we'll just put something together. There is a lot to talk about, uh, but this might just feel a bit different. The format might be a little bit more abbreviated. Uh, we will focus more on news and less on what we've been playing. Uh, but we'll we'll just see how this goes. See how this works. Yeah, uh, we'll take your feedback. It's a, it's a weird thing because it's like it's one of those. It's like it can't really we can't really skip this this week because things thing, a lot of things happen this week. Yeah, your, it's one of the things where if we like skip, news. it'll just like snowball in the next week, and then <laughs> yeah. it'll like will we recover if we skip? I don't know. Uh, plus, don't if know we know that we we know, or at least hope we know that people like listening to this. So even if it's a bit of a different feel, you'll enjoy what we have to present to hear for you guys today. So um, I guess let's just roll right on into it. Normally, on, on a start of a normal podcast, we would open up with kind of what we've been playing, which would be like new new releases or classic releases that we'd get to. And you know, we'd, we'd start out like that. This week, just based on the circumstances of the week, we might just kind of skip past that and go straight into news. I've mostly just been playing Elex 2, uh, but I talked about that last week and don't really want to just go back to the well this week on that. It's a, a long game and I haven't had a lot of time to like dig into yeah, it. Yeah, you've been, you've been pretty busy this week too, so it's just... Yeah, like on my on my end, I've been doing something a, a little bit more unusual. I've been starting to read the Tsukihime remake that came out uh, for PS4 and Switch last year. Um, there, there is a partial English English patch out that I've been uh, trying out, and it's been decent so far. Um, but it's obviously it's not fully done yet, and I'm just like kind of dipping my toes uh, in it. Uh, I'll probably talk a little bit more about it uh, in one of our non RPG news sections uh later on or news bits but just a, just a just a top head little uh level view um this is one of this is like one of the most recent the most recent type moon visual novel that has come out and they they've been it's been a while since like a, a type moon visual novel has come out because they've been so focused on the fake grand order mobile game so seeing this and I've, i haven't read the original Tsukihime in years like it's been a very long time um so seeing things like remade like with like crazy production values for a visual novel and seeing like how things change up in it has been a, a real treat. Um, it, I haven't read a visual novel in a while, so it's been kind of a, nice to kind of just settle down and kind of play something that's not like active. You're just reading, you know, so it's been it's been cool. But other than that, I'll probably uh, talk a little bit more about later. And yeah, that's that's all I've been playing for now. I guess I will say that if if there is one reader still playing Elex 2, uh, Go for the berserker magic. I've found that it's overpowered and it's helping Bottom me like time. not feel like so so damn weak all the time. What does berserker magic do? 
it casts fireballs from the sky, and then you just have to run around and avoid damage while the fireballs kill the enemies. There you go. That's huh. I mean, when I think of Berserker magic, I would think like, it just puts you like in a rage mode. And then like, oh yeah, oh, it's it's interesting. Level. But yeah, the Berserkers and the Elex in both games are like magic casters, but they oh, also okay. use like weapons and axes. It's it's an interesting take on the trope. Yeah, that like that's something that's like it just everyone already has like a set like expectation when they hear Berserker in a game of like what it does. So it's interesting to see it subvert the trope a little. A little bit. Before we go into just the, the news line items, I will just kind of call out a few of the features that we have up on the site from the last week. Obviously, a major discussion point of last week's podcast was the release of the Chrono Cross remaster, the Radical Dreamers edition. We do have a few guides up on the site about elemental weaknesses about character recruitment and about like an interesting twist on the ending uh obviously you know spoiler warning but if you want to read about that we have that up on the site alongside the release of chrono cross we did also talk about uh the 13 sentinels release on switch and while that is mostly a re-release of the same game with some balance tweaks uh nathan lee who is who wrote the re review of the switch version of the game for us did put up two guides for the destruction and rem remembrance mode for 13 sentinels so if you are making your way to that game we do have those two uh features up on the site as well if you're interested and of course we've been still putting up some guides for some other games that released in the last month such as like uh rune factory 5 and a few others yeah, and uh, Alex has been really uh, putting out some uh, features for Chrono Cross as well, like talking about the, the new hidden post credit scene in Chrono Cross. And, you know, uh, to, who knows why they put it in there, really. <laughs> it, 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 it's caused, you know, it's it's more uh, discussion bits for years to come uh, in the Chrono community. It's like, why did they put this in there if they're not, if they already said they're not planning a new Chrono entry? Like, uh, why, why would they do this? And so forth, so... Nice to call to attention that I didn't even know there was a new hidden post credit scene. Like I, 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 I thought someone mentioned it and I thought it was a joke, but I didn't know it was actually like real. It's like, oh, okay. Alex also just beasted out a radical dreamers guide. I do think that he borrowed from like an old fan translation guide, but just kind of like made you know quality checked it, made sure that it was correct to the new official localization for that. So if you're playing Chrono Cross or Thirteen Sentinels, uh, we have some features up on the site if you're interested uh, to have alongside uh, your playthrough. All right. So the big, the big headline of the week, within less than a day, less than a, 10 hours, I think, after we recorded last week's podcast, uh, I forget if we mentioned this on the podcast, but we were talking about the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary event. Now, I remember Adam saying, I forget if this was in the recorded session or not, that he wasn't expecting much. He felt like it might be some merch or some fan service or things like that. Uh, but, you know, we thought that, that it might be pretty quiet, that there wouldn't be anything to be excited about. Well, uh, yeah. turns out they announced Kingdom Hearts four. They they just went ahead and did it. The Mad Lads. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, like I, it feels like it even said as much now. Like uh, like it's an early announcement. We just wanted to get it out out there before anything leaked. Um, but you know, it, even then, it's like man, they really. It felt it. It feels so early, but it it's out there and it it looks. Uh, very different uh and a lot a lot of talk what did we see in this kingdom hearts 4 uh reveal brian so as far as i know i haven't checked recently but like the trailer itself hasn't been officially uploaded from like a square enix or a kingdom hearts account it's just been clipped from the stream event and of course other like publications like GameSpot have 
reshared the trailer or or things like that and clipped it out of there. So it's you know it's it's there to watch. It's not hidden. It's just interesting that this is the manner in which they've announced it, where it's kind of buried within a timestamp of a stream or shared by other publications. Because obviously this is a, a big deal. Uh, so it was it was nice. It was uh, for me like it was nice like waking up and I was like oh there's a Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary announcement. I did not know Kingdom Hearts 4 was going to be announced here. So I was like okay well I'll just go through it and maybe skim the parts that I don't really care about like the epilogue to like the mobile game that's shut down like i'm like okay if that's gonna come out we already knew that's gonna happen so and then we and then there was another game that we're gonna talk about in a bit after this but then like at the final one i was like oh it's like and like i didn't even expect like this to be kingdom hearts 4 at all i thought it'd be like another spin-off with like another name of like final beginning chapter you know epilogue prologue you know type deal and i'm like i i did not it didn't even like occur to me or i didn't even think about like oh this is the next numbered entry in kingdom hearts because i would expect that to be like in another two or three years um at least announced so maybe maybe our expectations were just set in such a place by what happened between kingdom hearts two and three now i know there were dreamed up distance and birth by sleep but still and i guess just to correct myself i guess the kingdom hearts youtube account uploaded a eight minute video but it still has the um the missing link mobile game and the kingdom hearts Four announcement like strung together with the Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts 4 announcement listed. It's called just the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary announcement trailer, like you said. Uh, so that's the other part, is that they did announce Kingdom Hearts uh, Missing Link. I hope I have that right. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is a, which is a mobile game that takes place in the um, the CAD Scalum. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, the, uh, CAD Scalum into the yeah. real world. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, yeah, I guess before we talk about more Kingdom Hearts 4, since we're already here in Missing Link, uh, this game looks to be like it's not gonna have like the visuals of the, the old one, like the cartoony chibi graphics. This one looks much like a more traditional Kingdom Hearts game graphically, mm-hmm. um, and looks to play a lot like you know those not, not like how previous Kingdom Hearts entries and, and mobile were. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it, it it looks neat. I I don't know exactly how it's gonna be structured. Obviously, it's gonna be a free to play mobile game. I imagine it's gonna be some gotcha element to it. Who knows? What, how that'll manifest whether it's like different keyblades or different characters it looks to, it looks like you can like create your own custom character or i don't know i have no idea these are actually like existing characters um, and it's but it looks, like it looks if, if we were in any other paradigm i would make like a joke here and glibly be like oh guess we better play this because it's going to have some critical information that you can't skip in order to understand the story but the thing is is uh one thing that they've that this 20th anniversary event has seemingly tried to really share and nail down is that this is the start of a new arc, that this is the end of the Dark Seeker arc and the start of a new a new storyline. But the missing link, it's, you know, you could kind you can you could sit here and speculate forever. It's like, is this linking the two arcs or is this specifically it takes place in, you know, a major location from the first three games or really just the third game in the mobile game so is this going to be necessary to understand what's going on in kingdom hearts 4 i i don't know i feel i feel, I feel like almost absolutely <laughs> like yeah i can't yeah, yeah. knowing this series yeah i feel like this is going to be a crucial thing like you know like even like even the kingdom hearts 4 trailer reveal already has like a key character from the mobile game uh yep. in it you know so let, we'll, we'll get into that so this trailer opens up with uh obviously if you are if you haven't played Kingdom Hearts 3 and Melody of Memory, like this game is a sequel to both of those. So if you still want to have it 
as some sort of like surprise, I guess. And like, the Remind DLC, I think like you need re- that for part oh, of the right. context as well. Are you That's caught true. up with Kingdom Hearts? Because if you're not, this trailer might be confusing. It's exactly. a little confusing so, if you are. I get I guess spoiler warning here because that's just mm-hmm. how it is in this in this series. So we have Sora, uh, uh, a much more grown up looking Sora, wake up in like this modern world, and this was already shown at the end of Kingdom Hearts three and the Remind DLC of him getting transported to this modern Shibuya uh, world, and we didn't know the name of this world until like the Melody of Memories secret ending, I believe. And and mm-hmm. they they called it Quadratum, and then sure enough, in the Kingdom Hearts Four trailer, they, they they yes, he's in Quadratum. So and then he's been uh, once again asleep for several years. I think seven years. They say in this trailer, he's been asleep on this couch, this modern looking couch at someone's apartment. Um, and so Se- seven looks, days, not seven years. Seven, oh, sorry, seven days. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said seven years. <laughs> That'd be really good, actually. So he's been asleep for. Uh, seven days, and uh, you know the, his his look is a much more different uh, because uh, I don't know they just, they just de- definitely de- upgraded the look to him, um, and he gets woken up by this mysterious like you know blonde female character, and then people who have been uh, either playing or have been catching up to the mobile game lord know that this character is important. She she exists in there. I think her name is uh, Strelitzia. Mm-hmm. I want to say. So, so I went ahead and you were uh, a part of this tangentially. And like, I've watched a chunk of the mobile game, like cutscenes. But the thing is, is like, even if you do that because you're invested or because you want to be in the know and you understand these things, a lot of the mobile game cutscenes from Union and Union Cross and Dark Road and what I don't know what titles it's under now. Um, it's. A lot of it is kind of incidental and doesn't really seem to carry forward, but obviously this character specifically did. I know at a high level that they were like recruited by one of the masters named Ava, but I I, I need to like that was a, a while ago, and it's because it hasn't been factored in into like the console releases or even the the uh, handheld game releases so far. I'm still a little bit foggy on uh, exactly how Strelitzia like is completely interfaced into the story but basically she tells Sora that this world of quadratum is full of life but relative to the characters that we know and are aware of it's more of an afterworld so uh if you've seen the ending of kingdom hearts 3 you know that Sora has kind of effectively died question mark not died yeah, kind, quote, of quote, like, quote, quote, like, kind of like like got into purgatory almost because of um, using the uh Oh, what do they call it? He he used that art too many times. Uh, there there there's a fr- there's a phrase for it in Kingdom Hearts three. But I don't even. God, we are not Kingdom. We are not. We are not Kingdom Hearts experts. We need a. Uh, we need George here to. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. The art of um, waking or whatever it was. There we go. Yes, yeah. waking. See, it came to me. I just needed to like just roll, <laughs> knock the cobwebs out of my head. Uh, and Strelitzia was also like Sora does got a chance to speak with her like ghost or her star when he, when he's also like in purga another form of purgatory in kingdom hearts three like while he's being like rescued by yes. the crew so uh-huh. so it's not like there's no precedent for this or no linking or this is out of nowhere but the fact that he ends up on a shibuya like street uh and there's like gameplay i don't know what i want to call it that it's like I don't is know, this like i don't know this this feels too early like 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 keep in mind like all the post uh, interviews after this they said the the trailer was shot in unreal engine 4 
but they they want to shift onto Unreal Engine five for the final product. So I don't know if like anything we've seen is like reflective of the final product. It's definitely like their aspirations, right? But mm-hmm. it's e- it's easy to like show like a very flashy sequence and like say, but you're not really engaging with it. Like imagine if like you did like the Kingdom Hearts three like uh climbing mount olympus scene but without a hud you know it's yeah well if they put they did did slap a hud on this and i don't want to say they're like lying or fibbing but it's more just like this is their aspiration and who knows what they're doing to like composite this together into this game like is is someone actually playing this on a dev kit like in a playable state i doubt it and that's not me trying to be skeptical just that's just me trying to keep like expectations in check that you know game development is tricky and it's very very ugly until it isn't yeah, and it's this game very early, seems you know. like it's if yeah, it's a ways out. I, I, I'm sure we'll see like you know the maneuvers they did in that trailer in the final game, like like the, the, the grappling mm-hmm. hook, thing, the grappling string they they had for sort of there. So how this manifests in the trailer is um, heartless or I, I they're still heartless, right? In the in the real world thing, are they still heartless? I would, I mean, it's got it's got the like the voided heart shape in its chest. So yeah. I'm gonna assume yeah. it's heartless. <laughs> See, I'm just like, are they even heartless at this point? Um, but the, the heartless type creatures are starting to uh, appear in this quadratum uh, world, and you know, you actually see like like real people on the streets, like fleeing for their lives. Some people are like after after doing, getting shot with their cell phones. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, doing the fucking modern thing of like, oh, I've got to get footage of this first for my TikTok or my fucking social media, and then I'm gonna fucking scram, you know. <laughs> so, and then in Sora is like zipping through. He goes to the sea, and there's like buildings. Like being thrown at him, and he's like kind of like going through them, and like it, it, it's all sorts of crazy, you know. And like it's the big cinematic like uh, battle. Uh, I'm sure this occurs very early in the final project, probably. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it you know it looks very slick, and of course the the big topic on a lot of people's minds were, oh my god, he's not wearing his clown shoes anymore. Nope, his uh, feet so are realistically has... proportioned. Yeah, and this this really really shattered the worldview for a lot of. Kingdom Hearts fans out there, which I get it, I get it. So you know, uh, but other than that, like a slick um, battle sequence of, of him, you know, confronting this heartless. Um, we also see at the very end, you see uh, Donald and Goofy wandering through the darkness, um, you know, trying to find someone. And at the very end, you see a blue flame behind them, which indicates that Hades is after them. Um, and then that's it. That's the teaser for Kingdom Hearts 4 in a, in a nutshell. Uh, it was a lot to process, a lot to take in, a lot for people to kind of speculate. Oh, I guess we should also mention before like all of this went down, they also showed like environmental shots um, before this all went down with Sora. And like one of the shots looked like uh, like a jungle environment, but then at like the top right corner... Uh, people are saying, oh, that looks like the foot of like a ATAT from Star Wars. Yeah, and yeah. it's people people have been kind of wondering about like, you know, Disney owns half of the entertainment universe, like Star Wars, Marvel. And I know some people I've seen the uh like, oh, I hope I hope they that were free of doing the original uh of the Disney linkage now. We can do original stories because a lot of people that's what they're interested in. But then that little teaser at the end, like you said, with Donald and Goofy, very much makes it seem like nope, Disney is still gonna play a role. Especially with like it's very, very hinting that it's Donald and Goofy looking at the afterlife to find Hades. So immediately like a Disney movie connection there. Yeah. Uh I do like how or not like it's interesting how I feel like they went to the well again in terms of using the organization cloaks to disguise uh, 
participants in the trailer again. At the very end, you see two organization members. Well, not right. the very end. Before you see the Donald and Goofy and likely Hades stinger, there's two organization members, and uh, one of them is likely the Master of Masters, and the other one's likely Zigbar Luju, but we don't know for certain because it can be whoever the Nomura wants them to be because, you know, he's writing the story and he can subvert expectations and i don't know i'm kind of glad that there's still going to be a disney linkage i know some people want it to move away from that but i I feel like i I think it's one of those things that's like i think it's fine for disney to still keep involved in this and because they're very much at the heart of like you know kingdom hearts but i think people felt burned like of how how the disney linkage really uh made kingdom hearts 3 like a more lackluster Yep. Like and, like, yeah, and because of, of the way it had like story pacing in the way that like it had to adhere to like certain rules for certain worlds, mm-hmm. um, it, it, like it, 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 like Kingdom Hearts three, you could definitely like if you took a moment to like actually like look between the lines, like you could see like the corporate meddling, mm-hmm. um, in that in that game, and that and that kind of sucks in a weird way because like the for for some fans like oh this could have been a lot more, but you know because of certain limitations with disney especially present disney this this really suffered as a result and and a lot I, of people it feels like just yesterday that. that adam was talking about how he hated how the keyblade graveyard section ended kingdom hearts 3 how you go through all the disney worlds and there's not a barely any original story progression there and then when you get to the final area you kind of like go off like the okay what are all the loose ends we got to tie up and then like you literally go from room to room each with like the correct allotment of characters just kind of closing out and putting neat bows on all the different stories like first with Namine and then with axel and then with roxas and then with riku replica and all that stuff and it just feels very like mechanical and very like got to tie up loose ends and so hopefully if when to whatever extent Disney is integrated here, that it feels a lot more natural, a lot more organic, and not just like you got to do your diversionary romp through the Disney worlds or to the Pixar worlds or the Star Wars worlds or the Marvel worlds or whatever it is, and then and then we'll, and then we'll let you go to the actual story. So hopefully it's more organic, but we don't know like what sort of legal clamp down they're under for for the Disney thumb and things like that. Um, the only other thing I want to say is that uh, I mentioned that the old arc was like the Dark Seeker arc. The new arc is on the under the tagline the Lost Master arc. So I guess kind of clear what that means based on the uh like the the secret ending of Kingdom Hearts 3 and the the stuff that's being pulled out of the from the mobile game. How long is this arc going to last? Is it going to be another three major entries? We don't know. Um but that's the that's the paradigm we're in now. So Still looks like Sora, Donald, and Goofy are going to be like the primary trio of characters. We know that Riku's going to be involved in some extent from the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3. Whether you, Kairi do, do will you, be involved? Do you think they're going to keep Sora's current look? Or do you think it's going to be just like a quadratum-only thing and he'll go back to a more uh, uh, appearance that more people are used to? That's a good question. Off the cuff, I'm going to say that's a quadratum-only thing because some people thought or maybe some people thought that like, oh, that's just Unreal Engine. But like King Hearts 3 was an Unreal Engine and they still kept his like very like unnatural, uh, a very fitting look for what we had come to expect for him. So maybe that's a way that they'll kind of visually identify this afterworld versus the, I guess, the, the normal world. Saying the word world in the King Hearts universe is a bit weird because like <laughs> every single planet is a world. But then there's like the dark side of each world. And now there's the afterworld and the dream world from it's just uh, 
and then, like other just uh, minor things, I guess, worth mentioning too. As you know, fans have been digging up through the interviews and talking about like you know what they saw. I guess like there's like a hidden cipher in one of the interviews. Like if you read like the the interview in a certain way, when you unlight some of the uh, Japanese kata in a certain way diagonally. Like the hidden message uh, Nomura has is like uh, Sigurd is the narrator or something like that, and Sigurd is a character that was only introduced at, like at the very end of like the mobile game or something like that. So people even don't even know who Sigurd is, and he's narrating this. Yep, like so. like I watched a couple hours of cutscenes from the mobile game, and I've never met who Sigurd is. So like, I think he only uh, I think he only shows up at the very very end or something. So like people don't even barely even know who this character is. <laughs> So that's you know your typical Kingdom Hearts shenanigans, and that's all fine. I I do I also like that Sora's new outfit. We're inching closer and closer to just this being the bouncer. Um, <laughs> if you remember the bouncer from Square Enix, um, yeah, he just looks more and Sora, more. Alike. Sora will find his missing dad. Yeah, or he just becomes him. You never the know. They, oh. Yeah, it's it's looking more and more like it. So anyone who predicted that Kingdom Hearts is the bouncer prequel, congratulations, you might be right. Um, that'd be sick. And yeah, I the, like who knows when we're gonna hear about Kingdom Hearts four again. It's that's you know, uh, a ways out. Um, but here's what we have to nibble on to, for the foreseeable future. That's that's crazy that it exists. I I thought it was a very early announcement. But, yeah. yeah, and maybe we'll get a Kingdom Hearts expert George Foster on at some point in future weeks to see his uh crazy takes. I'm sure he's melting down. I'm sure he's still like recovering, even though it's oh, been yeah. about a week. Yeah. Flying a little bit under the radar compared to the Kingdom Hearts 4 announcement is that we did get a new trailer for a game that was announced just like two months ago that I had almost completely forgotten about. And that is Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Did you remember this? I did. It slipped my mind completely. Yeah, so, I, gotta, I gotta be honest. Like I, I, I was only reminded about it like when it actually like uh when the news hit that morning. I'm like, oh yeah, the that was a thing, yes. So, like, so. this was announced back in February as the, of course, a Fire Emblem Warriors sequel, a spinoff to Fire Emblem Three Houses. It even got a release date, like, with its announcement. Like, it's releasing on June 24th. And we had some speculation about, like, is this just another alternate story? Is this, like, the missing golden path? Or I believe some people did speculate that this took place in during the time skip uh, that, you know, in the middle of Fire Emblem Three Houses. And we kind of got some answers to those in a new trailer that was uh, revealed by uh, Nintendo and Koei Tecmo uh, just this last week. And it turns out that in this trailer, it seems to be another kind of alternate story set in the same universe where it really seems to point to the fact that in this story, Byleth is an antagonist and the new protagonist is a character named Shez which is like a purple haired warrior. Again, you pick the gender and uh, it seems like that Chez encountered Geralt's group, Geralt, Geralt, I'm getting my Witcher name, <laughs> up. Uh, but was defeated by the Ashen Demon Byleth. And then basically then Chez meets up with the students from Garag Mach. And it's just like, a, it seems like a very interesting, like not a canonical path, not a golden route, more of a what if alternate 
we're having fun. We're just shooting shit story. It's very interesting. I don't think this is like quite very out of left field. Not what anyone quite expected to have just a random character just kind of show up here. But obviously they can't be mentioned in two like concrete of terms because they don't get you know any look in from the main game which maybe for a warriors game maybe that's to be expected um they did kind of talk about how this spin-off will have class changing systems similar to how what three houses it implemented so it'll incorporate some of those new mechanics in the muso dynasty warriors sort of format uh, otherwise yeah. i really like three houses a lot but I'm glad this isn't the missing golden path. But what if like, it is? Who knows? <laughs> uh, you can never take you can never take it off the table until you see the final thing. You never know. Yeah, um, but I'm all I'm also just kind of like not interested in this. Uh, all. I, I would be more interested if like if, if like if they put it on a system where like this like the hardware could handle it. I'd like I like playing Muso games like in a very smooth frame rate and like switch doesn't have a really great track record for those so i i want i want to be interested in more of those these muso games having to switch that are only for switch like obviously age of calamity obviously the mm. first fire emblem warriors game but like it's just i i i just wish this came to like other hardware and it's not it's never gonna gonna but you know, but the but the information that we have, uh, Shez is a good name. Shez is a really funny name. Uh, I like that. Um, Byleth being like the antagonist could, you know, it's kind of an interesting angle. But who knows how that'll? Obviously, uh, like it would only be interesting if like they they had Byleth be an antagonist from beginning to the very end, not like oh they became good again because we purified them from whatever. Who knows. Yeah, or, um, or like this was just someone taking her form or his form. Yeah. Or or whatever it ends up being. But I, I think my favorite part of this trailer, really, is just that I kind of like the the new art for all the familiar characters. That is kind of like a different interpretation for the, the cast that we know. But other than that, I'm just kind of like, I don't the gameplay just looks kind of what I expect. It, you have like team up attacks with the with the different lords from the, the main game you'll, you'll team up with all three of them very fan servicey but i guess i just just doesn't interest me unfortunately mm -hmm. yeah but that's uh understandable i don't i'm not really too interested in it but you know for people who are looking forward to it there's a lot to nibble on and for people who wanted more three houses but with a more action rpg take uh and people who like fire emblem warriors then there, they're they're being served. Mm -hmm. We have a news announcement here about some new uh, add-ons being uh, incorporated into last year's Super O about Wars Thirty. I'll just hand this off to you since you happen to be present with me here today, and you can probably speak to this better than I can. Tell me about this Super O about Wars Thirty expansion pack that's being uh, incorporated on April twentieth. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot to nibble on here. Um, they had like a live stream. Um, Go up early in the week and it was like it was it was at a surprising time it's like at 8 a.m pacific daylight's time so it's like oh okay it's going up like like midnight in japan almost so it's like okay um so for like the first thing they announced is there's gonna be a free update uh for everyone uh sometime in this upcoming week like around april 20th april 19th april 20th depending on time zone and it'll add um more characters from past games so 
for people who, uh, who like the original generation verse in Super Robot Wars, they're adding Erm with uh, with his Grungust uh, robot in the game uh, as a playable character. And it's cool because it's a, a new design for Erm, uh, which he's like four years younger, so he looks um, like more of a hot stud uh, in his uh, newer uh, artwork. So that's a, that's a cool angle for him. Um, they're also adding the protagonist from the now shut down Super Robot Wars Cross Omega mobile game, uh, Asahi and Shate or Shot, I don't know, but uh, they have they'll be coming with their Van Ayn robot. So if you guys played that game, uh, which is only released in Japan, um, there you go. Uh, that that game uh, had was crazy with its collaborations and just the lifespan of that game was. Pretty cool to see and witness. So the, they're they're coming at a free update uh, sometime next week. Uh, along with them, in this free update, they are unlocking uh, missions that were only previously uh, for pre-orders and like early access people, early adopters. Uh, these missions like unlocked like uh, like the SRX and the Cybuster robots. Uh, you know, for for people who uh, bought in early, that now they're unlocking those for everyone, so they're no longer limited to that. They're also yeah, for, releasing... as part of the free update. Yeah, as part of the free update. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, um, they're also adding a few new missions, like an extra chapter, and then the missions to recruit the new you know add-ons. Um, that and then the big big news aside from that free update was they're uh, they're releasing or they have already released. A new paid expansion pack um, that adds even more series and even more uh, robots. And for people who bought the season pass of SRW three thirty already, you still have to buy this new paid expansion pack because that season pass only covered all the previous DLCs that have already come out, not this upcoming new one. So yes, everyone will have to buy in whether they paid for the season pass. Or not. I think this new paid expansion pack is like $25, I want to say. Um, but the, the what you're getting out of it, uh, if you're really into robots, is oh, well worth it. Um, the What they're adding to this one is the Majestic Prince movie, um, which will have the Red 5 Plus unit uh, alongside it um, for the uh, new uh, or more SRW uh, original generation add-ons. They're adding the Dai Gengard Osen Ritter uh, robots, and for people who played those games, these two robots um, obviously were really cool. Uh, had awesome characters. They were uh, Sanger and um, what was his uh, name? Sanger and Ratzel uh, piloted these two robots. Um, what their most uh, remembered for in those games is that they had a combination attack where Sanger's robot, the Daigengar, would ride Ratzel's uh, robot because it could transform into a horse. And they had a combination attack where they uh, Sanger rode Ratzel's robot and then they did a really cool uh, attack together. Uh, in this one, uh, they have an in- interesting, unique angle to it where both of these units, the Daigengar and Austin Raider, are permanently attached to one another. Like their mount, their mounted form is permanent in this one, and they're counted as one unit in this. So this this uh, opens up a really interesting thing for SRW in general because they never had them permanently mounted. So they'll have like just an array of like new attacks, not just that that one ultimate combination attack. They'll just have new 
basic attacks because they're now as one. Uh, so that's a really cool thing for people who played original generation. I feel like um, I'm the, your worst possible co-pilot here because I am not familiar uh-huh. with any of these. But mm-hmm. my main general takeaway yeah. when I just look and go over all the things that we've talked about with Super Robot Wars 30 is just how in the world did they make this happen? Like, how did they just pull from several dozen IPs and like like the licensing and the the rights and like it just seems like on a, for Western IPs, it seems like this would never be allowed to happen just because right holders and like people wanting to make sure that they have control over their their IPs and things like that. Or Super Robot Wars, it just seems like everyone involved is really gung ho about. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, let's let people have their fun. Let's have have this ultimate crossover. And so that this, they allow this sort of thing to happen. Yeah, I mean, like the Bandai Namco uh, division for uh, that handles SRW are like it must be just like paperwork gods. <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand. I still don't know how they got like a full global release for this game. Like I don't know what uh, how what hoops they had to like get the, go through behind the scenes because I, it it couldn't have been easy. Um, like like in Japan, I can like see like it's a, a more of an easier streamlined process there because. Get, like the IP just has such popularity and uh, like you know like people like people who like you know get into Mecca there I obviously dream of like being in the series so are like more like uh, for a good chunk of them are more than eager you know to like kind of partner with them to have their works more exposed to uh, to that audience so I don't know how they made global happen um, other other series that are appearing in this new paid expansion are. The Shinka Lion movie. I'm not. I'm not a Shinka Lion. I never watched those, but that's cool for those fans. Um, uh, maybe I should now. I don't know. I don't know much about Shinka Lion. And then uh, for Getter Robo fans, uh, they're they're very happy because the Getter Robo Devolution uh, is appearing in this one, and that's uh, before Getter Robo Arc. Like the, that was the newest Getter Robo anime series. The Getter Robo Devolution was. Uh, it's still fairly old now, but uh, one of the more recent Get a Robo um, uh, series to have come out, and uh, that's very cool for them. There's like uh, I think I don't know if they appeared in the mobile game, but this is definitely the first time they appear in the console game. So um, that's that's awesome, and I think uh, what a lot of people were really happy about uh, are these next two ones. Um, there, these are old units that have been in SRW before in their console entries, but they have like brand new forms. So like for uh they're adding the scope dog from Votoms back in. People love Votoms in this community. Um so they're very happy about this because it's uh, a brand new form of scope dog that just decked out with like like it has a lot of weapons and are like a fully decked out arsenal. It has like a almost like a backpack almost so that's coming back in a, in a brand new way, and Dankuga uh, is coming back. Uh, but it's not not just a Dankuga; it's a it's, it's ultimate form, the ultimate Dankuga. So it's 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 kind of like its final form that's all fully powered up, and uh, that's coming back. That's very cool. Um, and more additions to this paid expansion pack. They're adding. Three new attacks, not for every unit, just like a total of three new attacks. So three units will be getting a new attacks. Uh, the the three units are blue one from Majestic Prince. It'll gain like its awakened form for the movie for that attack. Um, the SRX will be getting a new attack that was like featured like in a manga that it appeared in. So that'll be really cool to see in motion. And the the main protagonist is like like 
uh, upgraded robot, the Huckabine 30th, uh, will be getting a new attack as well. And this uh, expansion pack is now available for purchase, but only set one of it, and then like the re- and then set two of it. Like the rest of the content will come out at the same time as the free update units. So like around April 19th, April 20th, the set one of the expansion pack is just like like items that you get for free for purchasing it. It's not really like actual content. Like all the beefy stuff is not going to be till this upcoming week, uh, where all the all that content drops. Right, and uh, then the they, April twentieth date that's assigned to it. Yeah, and they um, they said that this will be the last planned content update for the game. So after this, the, 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 that that's it for SRW uh, thirty. And they they're probably working on the next uh, Super Robot Wars uh, game as we speak. <laughs> and but you've already played even without all these updates. You said you put like a hundred hours into this, so th- there's yeah. this thing is just yeah. packed. Yeah, this game is gigantic, massive. Well, like a like a like a normal playthrough is easily going to be over a hundred hours. So even out even without all the DLC stuff, like you still have a shitload of content. Mm-hmm. This game is just filled to the brim. Um, it is really cool, really cool. Well, I've been I've been yeah, obviously that- paying attention from the sidelines about uh, the updates that you and Kite uh, have been like tracking, like all the different times that they add characters from different IPs since its release last year and it just seems like it's doubled i don't know if, if it's literally doubled but it feels like it's doubled like that, that doubled, but it, that, that, that definitely is getting there it's like maybe like maybe 40 40 percent more yeah <laughs> like with all the additions and that, that's already on top of a very stacked roster mm-hmm. so yes so the there you go so if you're if you're a completionist yeah you'll just be playing super robot uh, super robot wars 30 until the end of the year yeah that's it <laughs> Oh, that's that's awesome. That's really cool. I can't I can't wait to see like all all this show up and seeing all their attack animations and all what what skills they have. And I can't wait to. I am. I wonder when when they're gonna announce the next new SRW thing. I wonder if it's gonna be like later this year or early next year. Who knows, man? Those people are are awesome. Every part of the team, you know, like the 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 art people, the writers, the especially the localizers, just working their magic and trying to somehow get this to a global audience and make it make sense crazy yeah the, the fact that they picked this this entry to be the global the worldwide released entry just uh, the aspirations that they had even though like some of these like you mentioned have only appeared in unlocalized mangas or or on spin-offs that haven't been re- officially released in english the fact that they're still saying like we're going to do it anyway is you know commendable yeah all right, a couple um, a couple sales updates here, followed by a couple either delays or new release dates. Uh, so we'll just kind of rattle these off and go through. Uh, Scarlet Nexus, a game that was kind of a surprising hit last year, has sold over 1 million copies, while Game Pass has helped it reach 2 million players. Obviously, this is interesting for two reasons. One, Scarlet Nexus, I remember when there was people that were looking at, like, steam launch numbers or things like that thinking that that it had absolutely bombed or that it should have launched with game pass because remember it didn't launch with game pass but people i think james was one of the most ardent people's like yeah it'll come to game pass eventually which was ended up being true so this is interesting just on a general count because we're, we're kind of in this paradigm now with the growth of like subscription services like apple arcade and game pass and i'm sure and i guess you could even say um potentially uh playstation's new initiative even though that won't have new games right away is that what will be in this place where we have to talk about copies sold versus players played 
as games yeah. end up being <laughs> it's a weird under- dynamic yeah and i think both of these numbers not not a business expert but based on where how this game launches a new ip uh how people were concerned that it was kind of slow out of the gate the fact that it had a thousand sorry a thousand a million copies sold and reached two million players through game pass despite not launching on game pass uh originally just well well earned and hopefully this means that the, you know this is potentially the start of a new IP, a new series, and isn't a one-off because there it had some good promise. And we've talked about this game kind of at length, uh, not yet this year, but last year during like our end of the year stuff and actually after the game released as kind of being like a game that didn't nail the landing but had a lot of promise and a lot of interesting ideas. So yeah, it's, it's good a, that it seems is, to see that somewhere. It, it is really weird because they're still supporting that game to this day too, and they keep marketing this game. Like, there still has a like, has a healthy marketing cycle uh, for this game, like way after release. It's it's kind of nuts. Like, they obviously they had the Tales of Arise collaboration, but then now they're releasing, ago, yeah, yeah. Now they're releasing like a brand new demo for this game, like a, like a story demo, like that, that supposedly does a better job showcasing like oh, the good parts that. about this game. Yeah. Um, which is nuts to think about. They they really 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 want this game to uh, find an audience, fo- uh, foster an audience, and like kind of get get it to reach its full potential. Um, which I feel like this this they have done more for this game than they have ever done for Code Vein, um, <laughs> you know, which is a another new IP that they uh, created. Um, but like the support between Code Vein and this game feel like night and day almost. Um, and uh, you know, I'm all for that. Uh, I really hope that I have to imagine they're happy with reaching over 1 million for a brand new IP with no like obviously, this this game doesn't have like share any similarities to like any other Bandai Namco IP. Like, there's just a brand new world and universe they've created. And hopefully, they like all this support for the game means that they're pointing to a, a brand new sequel or entry. Uh, for the series, because that, that's what I really, really want to see uh, from Scarlet Nexus, and it feels good to support this game almost, like like uh, saying like yes, it's reaching this because because I had a lot, like this game blew me away last year because I had like no expectation for it, and like I was just like I was very thoroughly impressed despite you know the flaws here and there. It's like it's it's hard it's hard for me not to cheer for this game because of like the positive experience I had with it overall. It is very much like an underdog story. Mm-hmm. The other sales update that we had in the last week is that uh, the great Ace Attorney Chronicles, another game that we thought highly of uh, last year, has reached 500,000, half a million copies sold uh, since its release last July. So obviously, uh, James is not here to talk about it. He's the one that reviewed this for us and has done the most uh, discussion with this game. But good to see that even though that these games originally released on the 3DS in Japan, like seven years ago, 2015, 2017. Uh, it took a while for them to get officially released in English in the Chronicles pack. It looks like it's done very well for them. So good good to see just for the future of that series as well. Yeah, I have to rem- I have to imagine like they have to be working on a new Ace Attorney game somewhere in Capcom, right? Like that. I hope so. I hope so. So I've not played I... an Ace Attorney, but if I know correctly, this this means as of this release last year, all the games have been localized except the Miles Edgeworth games. Is that correct? It's, it's like the first Miles Edgeworth game got, re- I think that got localized. And I think the second Miles Edgeworth game did it. Uh, okay. I, I think that's, the, that's how it go, uh, went. Um, but I think, I, I think it pretty much were caught up at this point besides that for localizations on Ace Attorney. But I, I have to imagine, hey, they're really bringing this like on a global scale. 
now. And now that you mention it, maybe that's the next logical step to take is, hey, localize those uh, that those Miles Edgeworth games like in a bundle like this. Yeah, and get them on Switch. Get them in a convenient... Because I assume they're all locked to DS or 3DS. So yeah, yeah that'd, be, like, that'd be a potential, uh, a potential path forward. You're not wrong. Now that I think about it, I totally forgot they didn't localize. Like I, I think the second one, I think they did for the first one. I can't remember. Uh, I guess that would be the next logical step. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so Ace Attorney Investigation Miles Edgeworth did release in uh, the West for DS. Ace Attorney of Investigations 2 did not. So we got Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the first one is a fantastic. I love Miles. He's a <laughs> great character. <laughs> Uh, here is a delay announcement. Uh, I think it's the second of its kind for this for this title. This is the next gen version of The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. So we've talked a lot about specifically cyberpunk in the last year. We've we've kind of you know almost mocked the roadmap they had about the continuous updates and improvements. But alongside the cyberpunk next gen update, uh, CD Projekt was working with Saber Interactive to get a next gen update for The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which was supposed to be released in some point uh, in the second quarter of 2022. However, uh, CD Projekt has announced that the next gen update for The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt uh, is being delayed indefinitely, basically meaning that it's no longer has a, a stated release window. And not only that, but they are bringing the development of that version in-house, so no longer working with Saber Interactive. Uh, and this is the second delay of this, as it was originally supposed to release uh, late last year. It got delayed once in October and delayed once again. So this is coming off the heels of not that long ago, three weeks ago, they announced that there was a new Witcher project in the works in the partnership with uh, with Epic Games using the Unreal Engine, not using the Red Engine that uh, Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk had been developed under. So it seems like it's just kind of another like, I don't want to say it's bad news, but just CD Projekt is trying to get their ducks in a row as they transition out of the the wake that was Cyberpunk 2077's release. And yeah, they, they laid out, uh, like in their um, latest earnings re- uh, call, the earnings result, they laid out uh, they had the production plans for 2022 CD Projekt. Um, they, they mentioned they're doing development work on a Cyberpunk uh, expansion. Um, they, uh, that the new Witcher game is going to be Unreal, Unreal Engine 5, which we've, we've talked about. Um, you know, they're going to obviously further support Cyberpunk. Um, and then as we mentioned here, they're still do, doing work on that next gen version of Witcher 3. They said they, one of these is development work at the Molasses Flood on an unannounced project based on one of our franchises. Another one they say is launch of a single player mode for Gwent, the Witcher card game. I, right. I thought that had a single player mode, but I guess not. Okay. And then further support for um, both Gwent and the Witcher Monster Slayer. The Witcher Monster Slayer was that mobile game that was had like augmented reality features where you can like kind of look at the it was kind of, it was like a, almost like a Pokemon Go s thing but for Witcher I think for mobile devices mm-hmm. and then obviously they have more unannounced projects in in the works that are doing uh, work on those so that's that's what they're hoping to do in 2022 so uh, I, I imagine they're gonna be fairly quiet aside from like the sort of cyberpunk patch here and there throughout this year yep. see what happens next year. Uh- and they basically say that we'll they'll update as soon as they can. They thank their fans for their understanding. So, like you said, going to be a quiet year from CD Projekt outside of some uh, cyberpunk updates. At least that's how things seem to be pointing to. Where's the roadmap? We need we need a new updated roadmap. Yeah, 
Uh, we got a release date for Aiden Chronicles Rising. So Adam was able to talk about this game with his preview opportunity a couple weeks back. Uh, I think we kind of speculated that it might be a pretty, you know, a quick turnaround and we might see a release date soon. Uh, the release date for Aiden Chronicles Rising is May 10th for pretty much every console on PC, Sony, Xbox, Switch. Filling, we, 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 we talked uh... about only going to be $15 as well. So people who don't want to spend too much, it's only going to be $15, which makes sense. This is like like a, the it's kind of like a uh, Bloodstained situation where Circle of the Moon was like kind of like a stretch goal game mm-hmm. and Rising is is a, sort of a like a smaller scope uh you know, prequel type of game uh in a similar respect. So you know, $15 seems like a hopefully hopefully a good price point for what you're getting in the game. And I think yeah, it's also a good time period because, like, we talked about how April and May were pretty quiet. So, kind of just getting this uh, slotted in May so it doesn't get drowned out by later later in the year releases. So, I think it's a good place for it. And hopefully, it seems like it'll be a pretty breezy experience, just kind of a uh, wetter appetites while we're waiting for uh, 100 Heroes. But Adam was reasonably positive on it with the caveat that he hoped that the, um, that the combat got a li- little bit more involved as you unlock more characters and more skills. So like he, he, I remember him talking about how he had just during the preview opportunity that he had unlocked the ability to have like a two attack chain because <laughs> apparently yeah. you, play, you play through the start of that game just being able to swing once, wait, swing once, wait. We'll see. And uh, it won't be too long. I mean, that's less than a month from now until we're talking about how this game feels to all of us. Uh, another release date for the summer. Uh, this is one that we knew was already releasing this year. And that is Metal Max Xeno Reborn. This originally released, I believe, in 2018. Uh, and then the Reborn, so I mean the original version of Metal Max Xeno, and then Metal Max Xeno Reborn released in Japan in 2020, but now it'll be releasing in the West on June 10th for PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Two year really turnaround. Have... That, that, that's uh, that's kind of uncommon these days, which is weird to say, but you know, took a took a while. I I don't know. Like I I have to admit, I'm not really too interested in this game based on like the reviews of the original one um i don't know if reborn like makes it significantly better or not to be fair yeah i've uh, scored this a six yeah and and he wasn't too fun for a lot of things about it so and like the footage of this one is like "Mm, i don't know is it gonna be cool i I need someone to tell me it's gonna be cool i guess (laughs) for this one we'll we'll make adam uh, play it and, and report back Right, yeah, this is his punishment for not being here, is he has mm-hmm. to play this game again, the remake. <laughs> um, but I, I, I used to like Metal Max. I don't know if I like it anymore, but no, it, it, it still has one of like the, like the coolest like premises, <laughs> I guess. We got another delay for another 2022 RPG, and that is Steel Rising from Spiders. So this was originally supposed to launch in June, it has been delayed to September 8th. Uh, this is the Souls-like set into like an alternate French Revolution. Alongside the delay announcement, they did provide a new gameplay trailer, about five minutes of uh, just gameplay snippets against different enemies and different bosses. So as far as I understand, for Steel Rising, this is the first time at least I've seen a lot of extended gameplay for it. A lot of what we've seen so yeah. far has just been like renders and artwork. Mm-hmm. And the gameplay, I think, looks 
okay. It looks kind of stiff. It is a Souls-like, and it's not shy about that. Just the way like frames, like the boss encounters and things like that. Very clear and obvious what the inspiration is. I think, just, the, I think the premise carries it. I think like the like the like I, I think that's the most interesting part about this game. It's not necessarily like the the gameplay is things that we've already seen in other Souls-like games. Mm. Uh, but I think the 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 premise of the game is is the thing that like makes me sort of interested because the premise is like you take on the role of this automaton named Igis, and she's Marie Antoinette's bodyguard again the uh, tasked to like go against the mechanical army of King Louis the Sixteenth. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it's so it, it, it's out there. I don't know if it's that like endearing or exciting though it's just like yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those it's just, it's just it, like it it catches like your it, it's one of those things that like makes your head like turn the other way like towards it not necessarily yeah. that like you're bought in but it's like you, you said what <laughs> it, like like the automatons are fashioned into like the same like they have like the powdered wig only obviously it's not a wig it's just a casing of a helmet and like the the enemies are designed as if they're fr- as if it's like this weird. Normally, when we think of like retro future, we think of like old Star Trek or something like that, or or even like Fallout or Outer Worlds. Or this is just kind of like what if they had this technology back in the 1700s or so, or earlier than that. It's I don't know. I w- I really liked Greedfall, which is from the same developer. This. I don't think I'm vibing with like the atmosphere or the or the the art style nearly as much. Not to mention that the gameplay seems a little bit like been there, done that. But I, I will say if there if there's nothing coming out around the, its time frame, maybe maybe I'll play it. Like if there's nothing else, like to, like not to say the like not to like shit on the game because I'm not because I, I it's one of those things like I would definitely give it a shot if like I had nothing else to play. Like I would be. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm a sucker for Souls-like games and anything that kind of like any Souls-like game that like, at least makes me turn my head towards it, I'm willing to give a shot. Yep. Uh, we got some new trailers for the upcoming remake for. Oh, I, I remember we committed this to memory. How to pronounce this? But I forgot. Is it Live Alive or Live Alive? Live Alive. Live Alive. All right. I'm sorry that I forgot that. Anyway, so obviously <laughs> the obviously the uh, the Live Alive remake is was announced and it's coming to Switch in the HD 2D format. Uh, so we talked about that when it first got announced. Alex put up a really nice feature for it as this kind of this this white whale that we've never been able to play officially in English. Uh, so just a couple short trailers for a couple of the time periods that are uh, present in the game from Square Enix, both in English and Japanese, one of them covering the prehistory time period and one of them covering the Imperial China time period. So just ramping up the marketing cycle for the uh, for the Live Alive remake. Remind me, did we get yeah. a release date for this? Um, this is July 22nd. All right, uh, so not that too far, not that far away. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and you know, like uh, like each live alive like time period has its like own quirk. Like in the the one shared here, the prehistory one is a time where there were no words, so everyone has kind of had to like make grunts towards each other. It's, and there's no words, no like dialogue. Dialogue. It's more like gestures mm-hmm. to each other. So that that's kind of the neat thing about it. Like, how do you navigate through that in, in a time where like words weren't a thing? And then for the Imperial China one. You take on like the role of like this grand master. It's like, and then you're training. You have to uh, choose a disciple and train them for like an upcoming martial arts tournament. And each disciple has their own pros and cons. 
uh, for for that time period. So it, it's just cool to see more um, footage of this full on HD two D remake and just seeing like wow they they're really stepping it up for this. I will say I that I was expecting. In general, this HD two D like I've I've voiced how I don't like some of the processing effects of those games in the past past in triangle strategy and in octopath but here i don't know i don't know if they're if it's a different take because it's a different developer but it looks just cleaner to me it looks more like what i'd want a modern version of a 16-bit game to look like i'm I'm looking at the uh because across these two trailers even though they're like 50 seconds a piece it shows it shows a fair bit of overworld gameplay of combat gameplay of dialogue things like that and i think it looks pretty nice uh it's i think it's kind of a, a a little bit more refined and not quite over the as over the top as as like oh look how flashy we are look how much you know bloom we got or death of field it looks nice yeah, I, I like I, I like how this yeah, game is coming together I do I think there's like a bit, a little bit of learning process now that like okay people are starting to understand like well what they like and don't like about HD two D and seeing you know like how they can manipulate the engine in a way that like mm-hmm. makes them more stand out you know and yes like, we know HD two D is unreal but specifically yeah. this this take of the engine yeah so <laughs> if, if, yeah i mean people have gotten over like the novelty of it and now like it's now we're like in the refi- refinement phase mm-hmm. this is something that was just announced i think literally a few hours ago uh and this is a japanese only announcement and that is that the atlas rpg megami tensai gaiden shinyaku last bible is releasing on switch in japan via the eShop. This was originally a Megami Tensei spinoff for mobile phones back in 2007. Other than that, I don't know much about this. Uh, are you yeah, aware of like? Uh, yeah, take it away. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really pl- played this because I think this was like only on phones. I believe. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those I, like that era yeah. of that era Flip of time games. back when Hell back yeah. when like the, the, before the iPhone released, where whenever it was. Uh, before crisis was that it like there was uh, that period and then there was that pied piper yeah, yeah. Xeno saga game like there was like the mid 20 the mid 2000s for japanese phone games it was a real bummer because like we had no like as soon as that was announced it was like oh we're never playing that <laughs> but apparently that's not the case anymore yeah um this is <laughs> this is really funny because like uh, this is under the the gmode archives project like gmode archives has um bit like taking on this mantle of um porting like games that used to be only for phones uh over to like switch and like they've started to at least some of them on steam very few of them are in english i'm not exactly sure which ones i know there are like a, a few but not a lot um th- this one that we're talking about is not like the original last bible game um because the like people are thinking of uh megami tensei kaiden last bible this is shinyaku uh, last Bible because that the the original Last Bible was like for like Game Boy Game Gear at least to other so I think it released in like the 3DS Virtual Console so don't don't get don't get them mixed up um, the, the, these are two different games so I mean that it's just one of those things that like that's that's really cool to um, preserve these games and I just wanted to call that out and hopefully one day I don't know I don't know who would take take on the mantle of localizing these but. I would like to see uh, these games uh, localized, just so, just for preservation's sake. So last week we talked about the uh, trademark of Tactics Ogre Reborn from Square Enix. Well, we have another trademark to talk about this week from Square Enix, and that is that Square Enix has trademarked 
Lenneth in Australia. And we don't like to talk about trademarks too much. It's a little bit like, I don't know, it's it's easy like headlines. But yeah, obviously this but, is coming not soon after or not long after, I mean, the announcement of Valkyrie Elysium, the new Valkyrie profile game from Triace that was announced uh, a month or so ga- back. And obviously Lenneth was the added subtitle for Valkyrie Profiles uh, remaster back on PSP, I believe. So is yes. this, this does this mean that we'll finally see uh, that Valkyrie Profile game brought forward to modern consoles? Maybe it could just mean that the re uh, you know reupping the trademark just to hold on to it. You know you don't want to you don't want to extrapolate too much from trademark filings, but still it always kind of makes you wonder like what if because we do have the Valkyrie Profile Lenneth does have is that the one that has a um the the mobile phone version that actually like has updates compared to the PSP version? Um, one, yeah, 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 yeah. Le- yeah, Lenneth is the one who's on mobile phones, yes. But they never brought that anywhere else. Right. Uh, who knows? Yeah, hopefully this this is like the start of like something. People have been wanting Valkyrie Profile in any form, whether it's Lenneth or not. Uh, just in mobile platforms, or not uh, mobile, modern platforms forever. And so it's just... Hopefully, like I would, I would, I will take this over Valkyrie Elysium. And if you can have both, then sure, why not? But uh, hopefully, not not only is this like a good sign, but hopefully, these this hopefully upcoming re-release of it to modern platforms is like a good one too, like a good port. All right, and I I wanted to make sure that I substantiated my earlier statement. Yeah, the mobile version of Valkyrie Profile Lenneth has new like high resolution artwork, high res battle system icons, uh, options to skip the introduction, things like that. So it has like it is kind of in a way the definitive version of the game, but it's still just stuck on mobile. So and never got never got re released on uh, PC. Or I think there are ways to like use an emulator or something to play it on PC with with a controller, but you kind of have to like look into it to get that to work. Not so does this trademark mean that it'll be released on steam or something who knows i mean let's see ask i mean at the very least square enix has been barely fairly consistent on um on trademark stuff i mean yeah they had the recent tactics ogre reborn trademark yeah at, at one point valkyrie elysium all we knew about it was a trademark so mm-hmm. you know the the usually square enix trademarks lead to something these days what about Bandai Namco trademarks? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Bandai Namco trademarks. Uh... Well, they they just trademarked last recollection in both Europe and Japan, and this is related to the Dot Hack series. But I don't Who know knows? what this is. We, don't, we, we, do, we don't know. Uh, the, all they all they all they trademark are the words "last recollection" aside one another, and. The, the this is leading people to think this might be dot hack related because the recent uh dot hack gu collection was the, its subtitle was last recode mm-hmm. um so you know that'd be really great uh, like if this was a new dot hack thing by the way it sounds last recollection it would probably be another bundle thing and i imagine this would bundle the old dot hack games before gu would be like uh infection mutation outbreak and quarantine and that would be really cool, but it would make me question what they're gonna do. Because if they're just straight remasters, like I would be personally, I could personally tolerate it. But I know many, 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 many people could not because the gameplay in the in that uh, original 
four set of games is very dated at this point. Um, and I know a lot of people would be very turned off by it. So I don't know what they plan to do with it. If I, I kind of hope it's more of a remake more so than remasters if it is pertaining to those games because the flow of that gameplay would not stand up to modern tastes at this point. Yeah, uh, it's always all. it's all it's always kind of an interesting feeling where you played a game when you were younger and you want to recommend it to new people because you have nostalgic feelings for it, but you know like oh this is going to be hard to recommend or there's going to be really like acclimating that you'll have to do in order to play it. Uh I, I recently went through this when I was tr- I I had played Baldur's Gate games uh, like back in 2019 original games and adam struggled to try to, try to get to play those because just like the, the gameplay just doesn't really hold up that well i mean that's always kind of subjective people some people will say no they hold up just fine but you always have to go into games like that with a certain mindset to to know that it's gonna you're gonna have to acclimate to it and that certain things that you've come to take for granted we're just not there. I'm, I'm kind of saying this generically because I don't know how the original Dot Hack games played, but so basically, the Dot Hack games played like played like like a, like an unrefined sort of like action gameplay. But anytime you wanted to use like an ability or a skill or an item or anything, it, you would have to like go and like put up a menu that would freeze the gameplay and like manually select it through like menus, and then for it to actually happen, there's like no like quick like way to like kind of access them. So the the gameplay would be very uh split up into freeze go freeze go freeze go um type of deal and if you wanted to do anything you'd have to like pause the gameplay and select it from a menu uh um, yeah and like the dot hack fragment like mmo that came out that i like, retained some of this gameplay like actually added like ways to uh access these things like more in real time so if they added that into a the quick slot or something yeah maybe maybe that'd be okay but still they would i feel like they would have to do some work to it to make it flow better hopefully hopefully they don't do the thing like they did with the gu collection or re-release where they kind of toned down the difficulty um because like i I like that the original games had like challenging boss fights like the scathe final boss at the first entry like was legitimately very challenging and it it fit the narrative like it's Scathe is something you should be like afraid of, and um, yeah. So ho- hopefully they don't do some weird like stealth balance. Well, well, and this yeah. is all this is all of course speculation on what last yeah. collection even is. So you have two trademarks, Lenith, kind of clearly what that's uh, pointing to, what it means we still don't know. Rat last recollection, some hints of what it might be pointing to, but what it means we don't know. But still, just allow yourself to get excited. It's kind of cool to see that we're in a place where these things might refer to bringing some old games from our from our youth or from our from our childhood back forward to be uh, enjoyed in you know in the modern times, even if they might feel a bit dated. But obviously, once any formal announcements follow these, uh, we will follow up on that uh, and let you guys know. And now we're going to wrap back around to something that you brought up at the very beginning of this podcast. So, uh, by the way, just before we get into this, just thanks for hanging out with me here today. So it's kind of cool that we had like this interesting little back and forth and a different little uh, framework for the TetraCast. So this once in a while is uh, pretty neat. Yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting, kind of different. But uh, there was one feature on the site that I did not call out right away because I knew that you would want to talk about at length. You had mentioned that you were reading more uh, visual novels. 
And part of the reason that you were spurred on to do that is because of an announcement regarding Tight Moon's Witch on the Holy Night. So tell me, uh, what is it about this that you want to share? And to the to the extent that you have started reading the old original novels again and have brought and wrote a new feature for the site specifically about this. So this uh, so la- late last year, uh, Type Moon did their usual end of the year live streams detailing like their future plans for like the the Fate series at this point. Um, you know, hugely popular. A lot of people like it, whether it's the anime adaptations or you know, or the Fate Grand Order mobile games. A lot of people like the fate series so they do their end of the year live streams they literally hold it like i think like a december 31st or something um and you know they they laid out their uh, usual plans the usual fate grand order of news uh upcoming content for that game they laid out a new like ova for people to watch for the lord elmaloy uh the second uh anime series that you know came out a few years ago and you know, new free DLC characters for that the new Melty Blood type Lumina fighting game. Um, so that was cool. And then one of the one of the things that we didn't know at the time would be so significant, <laughs> let's say, is they were uh, to commemorate its tenth anniversary. Uh, they were re-releasing Witch on the Holy Night, uh, sort of like an HD remaster for the PlayStation Four and Switch. And then they would have voice be fully voiced, and you know, and they'll have like they'll bump up the resolution. Uh, for that visual novel came out in 2012 uh, over in japan and yeah so i was like okay cool and then out of nowhere uh people started spotting um there's a new a new entry at the pr times uh pr times is a site where uh it's basically the big um news place for uh pr japanese pr on games so like a lot of like uh Things that are sourced on the site for Japanese news uh, on Adam's end is from PR Times because that's kind of like the central hub. That's like where Famitsu gets their news if it's not exclusive for Gamer. Like a lot of like the big, big like Japanese gaming outlet sites, they they usually hear it first from PR Times. That's kind of like the primary source for that stuff. So they put up an entry for Witch on the Holy Night, which is Mahosukai um, no Yoru in Japan, and they were you know showing off like here are the japanese voice actors for these characters in this upcoming re-release um and like okay cool and then then it'll have a december 2022 time frame and and it's come like in japan it's like okay that's cool and then um it also mentioned that it'll have uh support multiple languages aside from japanese i'll have uh simplified chinese traditional chinese and english like wait and that's the megaton it's like, wait a minute, is this April? <laughs> like, that's weird. No way. You know, um, English? For a Type Moon visual novel? Uh, like, uh, officially released in English? And that's, for a lot of people, that's insane. For people in the know, that's crazy. And then, I was like freaking out about it for like multiple hours. Like, I was like losing my mind, uh, to be honest. Because you know, I'm so far deep into this rabbit hole that like this really means a lot to me, and I I received a question because you know a lot of people saw the excitement from their mutuals over social media, uh, whether it's on Twitter or other social media platforms on Discord, and and someone asked me you know, like from someone who isn't really in the know like you could relate to this uh, Brian of like what does this mean like I'm not really into this like 
circle, you know. I'm not really uh, from an outsider's perspective. Hey, I've seen like, the original is, Fate anime. That, that's true. Extent. You're right. Well, the one that everyone hates. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So, like, people are like, you know, what does this mean? So was, and then that really inspired this feature on like on how the the headline was like type moons which on the holy night getting an official news is secretly one of the biggest announcements in gaming ever and i i don't uh, like i don't mean to over exaggerate that like like to people who follow the visual novel scene and like have like seen like type moon in general over the years as it's grown in popularity like that that's it's not out there um so i i, I went to go on and chronicle like kind of like the history of Witch of the Holy Night and why it was so fitting to be like the first official English release for Type Moon visual novels. Wait, you know, I so about, I just want to make sure I understand Like have yeah. none of the fate visual novels been translated? No, not officially. Oh. Oh, they, they I have, thought they, they had been. No, not, not, not Tsukihime, not, not even Fate State Night. None of them have, have an official English release at all. Oh, they, their, spin, their, their spinoffs have like Fate Extella, um, fate extra like spin-offs that aren't the visual main visual novel that are made from other uh developers have have been localized but not like the main source material that these spin-offs sprout, from. sprout from yeah so which is still a really weird you know scenario when you think about it um so like like people expected like oh she's like the sukihime remake should have like wh- where is that and like I understand that point of view for sure. And I, I, I agree with them. Like, I wish that got the localization announcement, but Witch on the Holy Night um, being the first one to come to the West officially is like so fitting. Uh, and I had to, and I had to go talk on about how Witch on the Holy Night is, even though it's a, it's a game that released to the public in 2012, way after Tsukihime and Fate State Night originally did back in 2000 and 2004, I think. Um, originally in Japan, like Witch on the Holy Night was written first, way before them. It was written back in 1996. It was Nasu's first novel, and it was it was never released to the public because it, it was you know every time he tried to get it through a publisher and get it published, it was always rejected because of page size count and a page size limit. Um, so that original script on Witch on the Holy Night still has only ever been distributed to his close friends um but it was his first story and it it got a remake uh, in 2012 as a visual novel and that's like the first time that people really got to see what witch on the holy night was actually about and witch on the holy night is like a very important like piece of like story in in all of like nasu's works uh like when you when you watch Fate Stay Night, uh, uh, Brian, you would when they ever, whenever they brought up like Magecraft and magic and how it works, you know, like Rin like uses gems, casts mm-hmm. magic, and all of that. Like the foundation, like you get bits and pieces of like how it worked, but not exactly like you know you just kind of accepted it for what it is. Like oh okay, it's not, magic. Is, is is it officially like in the same canon or just more like the that's where the ideas came from? The ideas came from it. I don't know exactly okay, how I, the canon I, exactly works, like in, in between these, because because like how, like the time period that um, which on the Holy Night takes place in, like it kind of overrides a little bit with like the locations of like Sugihime. So I don't know exactly how the timelines work, but the 
the principles and rules are consistent throughout his work. So okay, like I like foundation- that more than rather than saying like, oh, this specifically happens in this order. This is first, this is second. It's more just like, right. no, this is just the foundation of the ideas and how how I envision magic works. Yeah. So I, that, that's yeah. So with, so all that stuff and faith about like how magic work and stuff like like it's actually laid out here in Witcher on the Holy Night of like these are this is how magecraft is explained this is how it works in this in his works and like the the rules that they apply that they create in which on the holy night is then shared an influence in stuff like in fate in Tsukihime, mm-hmm. in garden of sinners and all, all of his other works so and that, i think that's really fitting because it's i i just i did a dragon quest comparison i'm glad people liked the dragon quest comparison because um but I was like trying to explain it to someone on social media. I, I I did that when I was like half conscious and I just wanted to go to sleep. And then the more I thought about it, the more I can like I was like, yeah, it it is actually pretty fitting. Like I kind of convinced myself into the comparison and then laid out like why yeah it, it is sort of like um which on the Holy Night coming in English is sort of like how if Enix decided never to localize Dragon Quest for 20 years, and then the first one that finally was theoretically brought in english was like a remake of the first dragon quest um so it's a pretty you know uh comprehensive article i kind of laid it out um why this is so important and so cool to see and um as of as of the time of the that features publishing and the time of this podcast recording the Adiplex of america twitter has acknowledged that it's coming out in english on their social media but have laid out no plans on whether it they're actually distributing it in the west officially themselves or not like they they said yes it's coming in english but that's all they said they they didn't so it's not really been it's all but announced it's basically like yes uh, which on the holy night is being released for switch yes it's getting an english release we don't know a publisher anaplex is saying yes it's getting an english release but that doesn't necessarily mean a western release yeah that's kind of where we're at yeah, okay. I mean, I imagine, I imagine the the next logical step is yes, Aniplex themselves are going to localize it in the West because they did the they did that for the Emiya cooking game for Switch last year. Um, but you know that that's that's the next logical step, uh, obviously, and we don't know we don't know if uh, it's coming at the same time as the Japanese release. Obviously, if it doesn't, uh, I'm still going to play it either way. I'll just import it, right? <laughs> because the Jap- the Japanese release will will support the language. Uh, on it and yeah i mean that's just you know if you're interested in all that uh you know give my feature a read i'd really appreciate it it's uh it's definitely the sort of feature that is um it took i I was surprised that it got greenlighted by alex to be honest i i didn't think he would be uh he would okay it but i'm glad he did and i'm glad a lot it seems like a lot of people have uh given it a read or checked it out um it I'm very surprised that it like got a lot of like feedback on social media um, when we first put it out and published it and advertised it. And yeah, I'm I'm just glad that people are excited for it. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm very very curious to to see how it holds up, and I hope I hope the localization is awesome. It it deserves it, you know. And this would be it, it is such an important like step to like seeing more of these type moons catalog, uh, both back and and future works. Um, moving forward and if if this leads to like a suki hime remake like localization announcement that'd be that'd be nuts that'd be i'd be so over the moon (laughs) 
over the type moon. We got our episode title. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> okay. So uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, Josh's type moon, uh, which on the Holy Night feature is the top cover of our site. So just type in rpgsite.net and it's right there at the top if you're interested. And that covers us for this podcast. So I think that went pretty well. It was a little bit different, a little bit uh, more casual, a little bit of a back and forth. Covered, yeah. uh, obviously, the, that big headliner news for uh, Kingdom Hearts 4, which if we had recorded our podcast last week, one day later, we would have looped that in as well. But I just, some... one, just one more thing to like uh, mention for uh, for people who like, because it is tang- tangentially RPG related, like VanillaWare uh, has made 13 Sentinels and Odin Spear. Like, I uh, just wanted to shout out that they're re-releasing Grim Grimoire uh to ps4 and switch in japan on in july uh through the, uh it, the title is grim grimoire once more um and that that's a really really neat uh game that originally released in ps2 obviously uh, unfortunately it doesn't cover the scope of our site because it's more of a real-time strategy game uh, more so than an rpg it doesn't mm-hmm. really have much rpg elements though they're adding a skill tree in that game so oh and that's, that's all you need skill oh. tree means rpg now yeah, yep. but uh, just I just wanted to give that a quick shout out. That that is such a cool game that not a lot of people played on the PS2, and I get it. I understand why. And hopefully, you know, it gets a Western release, uh, and more people get a chance to play it. It's such a it's such, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. All right, thanks for hanging in there with me, Josh, uh, and everyone. Thanks for listening. You've made it to the end. Uh, let us know what you thought about the format of this podcast because it was a little bit different. Um, we do enjoy reading any comments on this. Any of the news that we talked about this week, we do obviously have up on the site along with the the Type Moon feature, the 13 Sentinels guides, as well as the Chrono Cross guides and features up all on the site. You can follow us on any of the social media platforms. Just look for RPG site on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can join our Discord either by the link at the top of our homepage or discord.gg slash RPG site. Still a lot of people talking about Elden Ring. So if you're interested in discussing that, we have a pretty, a pretty active chat going on at the moment about that still. And you will hear from us next week, hopefully with more of the cast members uh, back. Well, we're not quite certain just yet. You know, sometimes life happens and people's, you know, schedules get filled up. But we you should plan to hear from us then. But until then, stay safe, take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Let us know what you think. You know, this is very different for us and we'd love to hear from you.